0: welcome to uncancelled faith a podcast that strives to break the culture of division which so often segregates believers from one another
1: we're We're your your hosts joy lucia honeyball and hannah rose russell we're so excited to have you here today this podcast is brought to you by inspire truth our mission at uncancelled faith is to create a space for people to share how
0: the lord is calling them to live bringing a new perspective on subjects that so often become a topic of division. This is not a place for debate, but a time to share testimony, dive into some controversies, learn from one another, and discover how the Father wants to encourage us in our faith journeys.
1: These episodes are recorded for the live Zoom audience. We also stream live on Facebook and YouTube, so be sure to subscribe to our channel for regular updates and the opportunity to join the Q&A at the end of each episode. Get ready, because Uncancelled Faith starts now. This
0: week, we are so excited to introduce our guest the Christie and Carol award-winning and ECPA best-selling author, Connie Lynn
2: Cassette. Welcome to Uncancelled Faith. How are you doing today? I am great. I am so excited to be here with you ladies today.
1: And we're so excited to have you. I know many people watching and listening will know who you are, but for those who have never heard um, about you, or your incredible books, why don't we start by um, you just telling us a bit about yourself, where you come from, how you came to faith in Yeshua, Jesus, and what made you want to become a writer?
2: Okay, well, that's a big order there. Um, (laughs) I am, um, I'm the mom of two children. I have a 14 year old and a 17 year old and I've been writing since they were a little itty bitty. And um, I, um, let's see, I, we live in Texas. Uh, we've actually lived all over the United States. We lived in North Carolina for a while in Utah and Seattle. Um, we're actually originally from Spokane, Washington. And um, I started writing because I, I had always been a reader. I'd always been interested in history. And um, I was kind of doing some of my own personal um, study into the history and culture of the Bible and um, trying to understand the connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I was just kind of listening to podcasts and just digging in for myself. And I started thinking about the Exodus and what um, what, what was going on kind of in the background. And um, I was reading about the mixed multitude that goes up with the Um, Hebrews out of out of the Exodus, and I started to get kind of curious about who this mixed multitude was, and why they went with the Hebrews and so I just it kind of snowballed from there and a story popped into my head and it wouldn't leave me alone. Um, And I really didn't have a whole lot of um, faith in myself, I didn't have a whole lot of self confidence. So I wrote a few chapters and I thought this is the most horrible thing that anybody has ever written, and nobody will ever want to read it. And um, I put it away, and um, it, and it took me a few more months before I we actually moved to Seattle for a year, and there was nothing to do except for I was I had little tiny children, and we were like completely broke, and it rains all the time in Seattle, and so I was stuck in the house, and I thought, well, what's it going to hurt to pull it out and try? Um, and so I went to the library, got every book I could possibly get on on writing. And um, I started to work on it and ended up with a manuscript and entered it into a couple of contests and it all kind of snowballed from there. So um, it wasn't something that I thought would ever become my life. (laughs) I'm still kind of reeling from it, kind of pinching myself that it even is what it is. So God's been super good to me. Um, And as for my faith journey, um, I actually, I grew up in a family with a, a mom and a grandma, her very, very strong in their faith. I would say I'm kind of a little bit like Timothy and, um, I actually went forward at a Billy Graham crusade when I was six years old and, um, I somehow ended up in front of a journalist who took my picture and I ended up being on the front page of the newspaper um, the day that I accepted Jesus. And so that's really fun. I still have the newspaper. It was like Billy Graham. And then there's me, um, and so it's, that's pretty fun. Um, kind of record of my, that day I went forward. So, um, and then I was just, you know, discipled by my mom and my grandma over my lifetime and, you know, went through some, some pretty big ups and downs. When I was 18, I, um, kind of walked away from my faith turned my back on the Lord and turned my back on my family and, um, became a prodigal daughter. And so, um, one of the books that I've written, um, until the mountains fall is a, a prodigal daughter story. And so there's a lot of kind of my, my emotions and feelings during that time within that book. So I've gotten to use some of that experience. Um, but because my mama was on her knees for me just day in and day out, um, that, period of wandering was a lot shorter than it could have been and so the lord got a hold of my heart and um ended up getting married and moved around and ended up writing and here here we are back again (laughs) that's that's cool it's it's really great to to
0: hear your story i'm i'm really inspired by how um you know god god essentially kind of threw you into this profession through just this story that wouldn't that wouldn't yeah. let, let you go, that's, that's so
2: inspiring. I feel um, like the Lord kind of took me by the hand because I had zero clue about publishing. I, I remember my, a friend of mine, I sent her the manuscript and she said, well, you should do something with this. You need to get a literary agent. And I said, what's a literary agent? I had zero clue about the world of publishing. And what it took, um, I'm actually a little bit glad that I didn't know, because <laughs> I think it it's would have scary. scared me. <laughs> I know, yeah, It's scary. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just kind of, the Lord just kind of gave me light for the step I was on, and then I would move on to the next one. And then he would give me light for the next one. And, you know, it's just, he just really, he took me by the hand and he, um, he's been so good to me to just help me along and, and keep me grounded. And um, I just... it it blows my mind every day. It blows my mind. And every time a new project comes up or something, it's just, you know, God's so good. He's good. And I want it to be for his glory alone. So.
1: Amen. Absolutely. I think that's, that's how I write too. Like, um, I will go and just get this inspiration to start writing and I'm like, okay, this is just going to be a short story. And like eight months later, it's now this, this whole book. And I'm like, okay, God. And every time yeah. I would sit down, I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know like what kind of writer you are. But for me, I, um, I don't plan anything because I don't know myself. I just get this like little opening scene that I just start writing. And then every time I go to my uh, computer, I just keep like the words just flow out of me until the story evolves and it becomes what it is. Then of course I have to like go through and like fix up all the messiness. Cause I've had no planning,
2: but so you're um, what we call a pantser. Because you read right by the seat of your pants. Yeah, <laughs> like and I used to be that way too. Like when I first, when I wrote "Counted with the Stars," I had absolutely zero clue what it meant to plot or anything. So it kind of came out in more of an organic way for me. Now I have moved to where I'm what I call like a hybrid pl- plotter plant pantser. <laughs> <laughs> so I do a general structure of the story, and I I kind of plan out my chapters in a um overall way uh, but but within that I kind of pants my scenes so um, my my the way that I work has changed a lot over the years um, and then I have m- plotting partners that I work with that help me build that story in the beginning so that when I'm in those scenes I don't have to struggle through the overall uh, plot line so it makes it a little easier
0: it's uh, from from what I've heard of you know some of my you know other writer friends it's a it's a long it's a long process and it can it can be you know a lot to to work through and to you know stick with a long project even, even with all of this um, yeah. I'm I'm really interested actually about your your research process mm-hmm. um, I'm really interested in ancient Eastern culture and and just as a writer, you must do so much research into your into the cultures you're writing about. Um, what is the most interesting thing or something that's really stuck out to you when you've been
2: researching um, the cultures you're writing about? Um, I think the biggest thing to me is, I think how advanced ancient people were. Um, I think in my head, before I started really digging into ancient cultures, I thought they were very primitive, and um, I think that's some uh, an idea that we get from from school and from you know kind of an evolutionary mindset. Um, but when you go back and start to look at the architecture and the jewelry making and the metalworking and um, the, like I I was reading recently that um, Babylonian trigonometry is more advanced than the trigonometry they're teaching in schools. And so they're, they recently found like new trigonometry that they're incorporating <laughs> from the Babylonians. And so um, it just blows my mind at how advanced they were in, in some areas. And um, I think we've done a disservice to the ancient people in, um, thinking that they were just primitive and and um, you know, rocks and sticks. And uh, there was a there was a lot more that we are learning every day about the ancient people, which I love those rabbit trails. I you know I love to follow those. Um, one of the reasons why I got so into my new series is because it's about the Philistines. and I found that there, like recently was DNA evidence of where the Philistines came from. And uh, there was a lot of kind of uh, back and forth with scholars on whether they were from Africa or like Eastern um, up like by Turkey or whatever. And, um, but the Bible says they're from Keftor, which is Crete. So mm-hmm. the amazing thing is that the DNA evidence proves that they did come through Crete, which is awesome. So um, just just, there's so much out there and you know, I just, I love it. <laughs>
1: It's, it's true i mean we look at ancient culture i mean there's like difference you look at the greeks and you're like the greeks invented all this stuff even the romans um and you still the people still um get inspiration from those creators but like there was there's other nations out there who are doing more and you um, came more before things. like the the people
2: came before yeah. the greeks the minoans and the Mycenaeans, which is where uh the it looks like the philistines came from was that those cultures they were so advanced they had huge um palaces that actually had indoor plumbing like real indoor wow. plumbing <laughs> and um you know we think that's a new thing it's not and so um yeah to, to look back even farther than the greeks is it's really interesting
1: so. where was that in england during the
2: black plague the <laughs> I would have know, been so I much, much better they needed to go and look back at the ancient ancient greeks <laughs>
1: I know. I mean the cult the culture is constantly changing, even our generation today. I feel bad now that you've said about the trigonometry, the poor kids, you've got in America the common core math still going. And then now wow. you've got this trigonometry. I'm like, <laughs> I'm glad I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Is there is there like a I mean you've said so many interesting things that you've learned, but is there one particular um, thing about the ancient culture um, of what you've studied that has that has really captured your attention that you've like fallen in love with or really sparked interest that you added to your books um that that you Mm want to highlight
2: let's see well i think what's most interesting to me in some of the like i wrote my second book i wrote about um a midwife and so i started to learn about Mm -hmm. some of the ancient medical practices um which can be very weird (laughs) (laughs) very weird um and in what so way I, um you know the ancient egyptians would use things like crocodile dung on wounds yeah to, you know things like that mm-hmm. and and yeah other like really strange things and it was always kind of a mixture of magic and you know yeah
1: they would call them sorcerers right exactly like like it
2: was it was very intertwined and so that's been that's always been very fascinating to me mm-hmm. um yeah I don't know. Nothing pops off the top of my head. <laughs> I think it's something I'll say. It. <laughs> I'm I'm curious actually. What the when you're doing your whole
0: process as an author, what how much time you spend researching, kind of writing, and
2: then like editing. Like, what's your what's your ratio? Well, Counted with the Stars took me five years. Well, four to five years to write, and so um, because I was learning, I was learning about the history and the culture and the Bible and also teaching myself how to write. So it took me a long time to figure that out. But because of that, I spent four to five years just kind of deep in study. And so I kind of have a base of knowledge now. So I don't have to go back and like start from scratch every time I do a book. So I do a little initial um, research, well, of course I always start with the Bible. I start with the word. I figure that I, and I build my story on top of that first. Um, but then I mostly kind of follow my own curiosity <laughs> and, um, I love reading like academic papers. I love, um, academia.edu and they're always coming up with new, uh, new papers all the time. It pops up on my phone in the morning. I'm like, Ooh, I gotta read that. Um, <laughs> and so, um, I just kind of follow my curiosity and what, what I need to, 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 for a certain scene, you know, like, um, I studied, uh, games in ancient times and the Philistines and the Egyptians loved board games. And so I thought, okay, this is really cool. I want to incorporate this in the scene. So I would kind of follow that rabbit trail and look for that. So it's not like I have to spend three or four months really digging in anymore. I really kind of follow what i need and where where i where i'm interested in going
1: do you no. ever just write a scene of how you think it should be and then research it after to just make sure that it's historically correct oh yeah
2: i'm always like checking back and you know yeah. a question and think oh and i've had to rewrite things you know because oh that didn't really work and my imagination was over <laughs> here and the truth is over here <laughs>
1: yeah. i'm i'm looking forward to using scrivener for that i had another novel that i'm like halfway through writing And it's all marine biology and different things. And I'm just like, okay, I don't think this could actually happen or if it's factual. So let's just (laughs) highlight it and then I'll research it later.
2: The nice thing about fiction is you can use some artistic license and sometimes like, you know, uh, you'll you'll just write a note at the end that, yeah, this is my (laughs) imagination.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But as long as it doesn't infuriate too many people. I know like when you read stuff, I mean, even... Um, We're talking about how you're writing the Old Testament, like um, from the Old Testament and the portrayal Um, when you look at movies um, or TV shows or even just other books, the portrayal of the people in that time um, and how and how they represent it. It, you you can either get them really good or really bad i mean you've yeah. got like the ones who are like the white jesus and everyone is white and speaking you know what you you watch and everyone speaks english yeah, yeah like they're from <laughs> england it's like yes. no like how how would you um do you have any advice or um or things like to improve now that you've you've been researching old testament for so long for them to improve well, upon it's this hebrew
2: <laughs> It's Hebrew culture from start to beginning, start to finish. And so um, I try as much as I can to use Hebrew terms when I can't. I don't know Hebrew. And so I just use, you know, once in a while, I'll use some Hebrew terms I understand. (laughs) Um, I wish I had time to learn it. Um, But, you know, uh, using the actual names of people um, in the Bible and um, trying to use some Hebrew terms is really helpful. And of course using people in movies that look like Hebrew people would be wonderful <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that there's been kind of more of a move towards that and I, I think that's wonderful I, I I don't know if you've been watching The Chosen but I think that there's some yeah, the, they're, they're making some good strides there so they actually film was- cho- The Chosen right by my house now oh they really see, like it's like 15 minutes from my house now so it's pretty cool are my you daughter- able to go visit the set I don't know, but my daughter is dying to be an extra, so we're gonna see if we can figure it out. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. I had my my friend Joshua Aaron. He went for the Christmas special to perform, and oh. he said he was like, "It's so weird. I just had to travel like twelve hours to go to a place that is one hour or like two hours away from me." Right. Oh, He's, like, so he's like in the Galilee, drive to Jerusalem, <laughs> and then he goes to Texas to go and film in Jerusalem. <laughs> That's
0: funny. <laughs> No, I agree that The Chosen, I think, is doing some really good work with, yeah. you know, culturally authentic yeah. Bible stories. And I think that's that's something that's, that's really great that, that you're doing this so, so people can see, oh, okay, it's not actually how I had it in my head. You're bringing the Bible to life. You're bringing the Old Testament mm-hmm. to life, which is, and it's very important that you're doing this with the Old Testament because we have so many adaptations of new testament stories and the gospels and um, which of course is so important but i feel like the old testament is something people kind of would quite like to just
2: slip past yeah. so yeah um yeah and those of us that grew up in the flannel graph generation like you know do you know what flannel graph is am i you know i'm talking to <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so oh in in Sunday school, when I was a kid, they had these little like felt people that they would put on a board and then they would tell us the story and they would mm-hmm. move the flannel graph pick characters around. Um and so in my head, that's what the Bible looked like with those very flat <laughs> 2d people. Yeah. And so I, you know, that's, that's what I want to do is I want to take it from being a flannel graph idea to these were living, breathing, breathing people, people. loved and, and grieved and had joy and witnessed these events and also witnessed these events without the context of the Bible. So they're watching the plagues and have zero clue what is going on and then there's rumors and all these things going on and so i wanted to kind of step into that experience and bring readers with me to an experience of how how would these ancient people interpret what was going on without any kind of knowledge um or or understanding of who god was and what he was doing in the world um, so that's, it's that's true it's I,
1: true but, though because like i mean you read passages in the Bible and you'll hear like how the tribes of Israel were divided or um, or how they were just like being led out of Egypt and things like that. And it's like, OK, but let's go deeper into what was going on in their minds and what was like what was actually happening. And I loved your out of Egypt series, then digs into the plagues and all of that. Then you have your cities of refuge series, which goes into something we don't talk about, which is the cities of refuge and how um, people who had committed a crime would run there for safety um before going before a judge or if the high priest would die then they'd be set free and things like that and how the people reacted to that and then obviously you've got this new series um with to dwell among cedars or it's called the covenant uh house right covenant house (laughs) yeah so you got the covenant house which is then samuel's time and you've got the the judges and and how and how that's conflicting people and the wars and all of that um yeah it's just it's the, the way that you write it, it brings it to life because we don't look at those stories and think, okay, let's go deeper. So how, like now that you've you've been going deeper, how has it affected your spiritual life since you're, you, you're essentially going into the Bible with your stories? I mean, it can't, it's not completely correct because they're fictional characters, but you're still opening up an era that existed.
2: Yeah, I think it's just, um breathed life into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just like when you go to Israel, it becomes a real place to you. Mm-hmm. And so I think through writing fiction, they become real people to me. They don't, they're not characters anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I think of Samuel as this real person that mm-hmm. was, um, you know, walking around and, and <laughs> doing different things in, and, and inter- interacting with, not just King Saul or King David, but all the people and having an effect on everyone. And so I just, I, I see them as real people and I, it's hard to explain it more than that, but they're not flannel graph people to me anymore. So, (laughs) um, it's almost like they're my friends. Like they're, I feel a connection to the people in the Bible more than I ever did before then. Um, but it
1: also brings them to life and affects it because like you, you read like what God's doing in their lives. And you're just like, oh, yeah, God did this with this person. God did this over here. And then when when you realize, wait a minute, this like really happened, like imagine it happening to you. How would you feel? Yes. What yes. would happen? And it's just, it it takes it, like you said, it takes them out from being characters into a book and yeah. being like, hang on, this is like this, this happened. And this is yeah. life-changing, just like Yeshua, like coming to
2: earth and then the cross and everything is. Yeah. And that, and, and I think if we make the Bible, the, the people in the Bible more real, we can see that Jesus was real. He was really mm-hmm. a, a, a person that lived and walked on this earth yeah. and God is real, and he's, you know, he's living, and so I just think it, it kind of has had a ripple effect in my life, and hopefully in in the lives of my readers. Um, I love how you described your characters, like your
0: friends. I think that's that's so oh, yes. that's so nice to hear. How... I'm going to be very disappointed if
2: they're not in heaven. <laughs> um, <laughs> do, do you have a favorite character that uh, oh. you've written several? So well? I have I have some favorite characters but they're like they're kind of like my kids and so it's kind of hard to choose between them. Um, I I think Mariah in The City is a Refuge was uh, got to be a really uh, favorite character of mine because I started with her when she was 13 and I Mm -hmm. wrote until she was a great grandmother and so I watched her whole life unfold and the, the lives of her children and everything and so she became very real to me. Um and then Lucio is probably the best, my favorite hero that I've ever written. Um and Why? It, it probably also is because I started with him when he was like 6. Yeah. And then wrote through his rebellious years and everything and then I actually Um, I wrote some in between chapters, some bonus chapters that I'm giving out for people that have pre-ordered between the wild branches. And so I dug even farther into his childhood. And so I just really, by the time I wrote between the wild branches, I knew him so well that he came out of my pen super easily. And I just, I knew him inside and out. And so I think that's, that's probably my, my favorite characters are the ones that I spend the most time with.
0: So it's true as you're writing you you're getting to know the characters as as you go almost like it's it's writing itself
2: you you don't know what's gonna i like they do things sometimes that i don't plan wow yeah
1: and and you write it all like um you you've been public and said that you wrote everything sh- like is it called shorthand or just like longhand yeah. longhand right. there you go hand
2: here's my, my notebooks and i, I write it all longhands and um i write each i write scene by scene or chapter by chapter longhand and then i enter it into the computer and edit it as i as i go so um and and uh, between the wild branches is the first book that i wrote completely in longhand from start to finish. And so, I don't know, it just, it taps into a different part of my brain. Apparently, when you write longhand, you use both sides of your brain at the same time. Um, It's actual brain science. (laughs) And um, I can see a difference, um, not only in kind of the way I can get into my imagination quicker, but I can stay there longer and I can actually do it even when there's a lot of stuff going on. In fact, on Wednesdays, my friend Tammy Gray and I go to the water park with our kids and I write while we're at the water park and there's just, you know, crazy noise going on. Oh, because I hand right now I can actually like stay in my scene so much mm-hmm. better, which is crazy. Cause before, if I was writing on a, on a computer, I'd have perfect silence or my, my ADD brain is going everywhere else. So, it's, it's really kind of revolutionized the way that I write.
1: I can't imagine doing that. I mean, I, I can't have outside noise and things going on around me, but I have to have music in my headphones. So I'll like be listening to music and I can just be writing and just be in the zone. And I kind of
2: blank on the music, unless it's musicals, then I'm like, See, I'm the opposite. Time. I cannot listen to music because really? I'm too musical. And I'm thinking about the chord changes and I'm thinking about the lyrics and, yeah. and my brain goes off in the musical direction. <laughs> yeah, I I have to listen to just classical or just instrumental
0: music, but very kind of ambient, very relaxed. i always, yeah, I'm the same, I'll, I'll go
2: off yeah. into. I, I just listen to white noise. <laughs> yeah actually
1: joy joy told me to listen to the shadow and bone um soundtrack the other day she said how amazing it was Oh, I bet it is. and so i it, it was amazing but the problem was as it was such a dramatic score that i'm writing this scene and i'm like acting like i'm in this like i, I don't know i was like making a murder scene or something like, it was like, so intense i'm like this is her not tense. meant to be this intense so now i have to rewrite it because i'm like yeah no this is her
2: direction huh That's yep
1: funny. exactly <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's probably why I don't listen to music. I do when I'm um, editing, I'll listen to music, but not when I see, then
1: I can't do that. I- if I'm writing it out, I can listen to music, but if I'm editing, I can't listen yeah. to music. all All the different yeah exactly
0: (laughs) but this is it's really funny for me to hear you you both talking about this because I'm a composer so my work is music anyway so I don't have to think I'm I'm always music is always involved somehow with my work (laughs) no matter what I'm doing I can't get away from it
1: So, um, I mean joy, you said um you i've I've read all of Connellan's books. you were reading a few um to get yourself acquainted with Connellan, and you mentioned about her action scenes and her description, and I know you had a question about that
0: yeah, so i I was struck by um the beginning of um between the wild branches um it opens, and straight away we're into this intense brutal fight scene, and it. It's it's a, a great opening to to a book because you're you're straight in there, um, and it's a it's a very authentic action scene. You can kind of see it play out in your mind as you're reading it. So, what does your writing process look like when you're writing these scenes, um, both action scenes and um, the the descriptive narrative? You're so good at writing where you have so many of these. Juicy adjectives, it into your sentences. Um, how how do you go about doing this? Does it does it come does it come
2: easily? Does it come natural? I love juicy adjectives. I am stealing that right now. Um, <laughs> I am a super super visual person, and I always have been, and I've always been the kind of person that. When I, when I have a memory of something in my past, I can feel it, smell it, hear it. it it's just this the sensory stuff hangs around in my brain much longer than like details. Like I won't remember what somebody says, but I'll remember the emotion and the feelings that I have with regard to those. And so, because that's the way my brain works. When I go into a scene, I would say I'm going into it because I do, I feel like I go into a scene and, I, and I, I'm in it. I feel like I'm walking around in that person's skin and experiencing it with them. Um, I do some writing when I'm typing with my eyes closed um, because I really want to kind of be in what, the, what that person is experiencing. Um, and I just, I just love that. I, it's so much fun to, to kind of put aside the structure of a, of a um, scene and just think about the, the sensory details. What are they hearing? What are they, what are they tasting? What are they smelling? And um, so it's just fun. I, I enjoy kind of experimenting with that. I write mind maps. I don't know if you have worked with mind maps before where you write mm-hmm. a little thing in the circle and then draw lines out. Yeah. And so a lot of times, if I need to really get into a scene, I'll write a mind map and I'll just write down anything, any sensory detail that I can possibly think of that might be into, be um, part of that scene and, and how they are interacting with their environment. Um, and so it's just, I don't know. It kind of comes natural to me. And I've, I've kind of explored it and developed it as I, as I've been a writer and the fight scenes are just, they're just fun. And I, <laughs> I, my brother is actually my half brother is, is an MMA fighter. He, he used to be an MMA fighter. And so I watched a couple of his fights. Um, And he was kind of a, a Lucio type person. And, um, and so I watched some of that to try and get some, some of that sensory details, and then um, sometimes if I'm trying to work out um, a, uh, you know, a scene where I have to have somebody move in a different way, I, I make my kids do it with me, and I'm like, okay, now you put your arm here, and I'm gonna go like this, and I'm gonna have to come around and punch you in the jaw, and so your kids love must
1: it. love that. I know.
2: <laughs> <Love it. laughs> like, yeah. my mom
1: has to punch me again. <laughs> Just don't let them tell that at school. Right, otherwise you right. might get a call like, from the teachers. <laughs> I
2: love how,
0: how varied like the, the life of a, of a writer is like, you're not just at your computer writing words, you're building worlds. You're, you're yes. just, you're doing so many different things.
2: it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, um, I'm a homeschool mom. So we are, um, on we are here all the time and so it's kind of just been become part of our world. You know, I joke about my kids being part of that, but they it's just normal to them that you know I'm writing all the time and building scenes. So are they writers too? Um my son really is he loves to write and he'll write for hours and hours. He's got he's got like five or six different novels he's working on at any time. Wow, he's got, a, he's got a very big imagination. My daughter's not really into writing. I think she's a good little writer, but she's not really into it. She's like, mom, people always ask me if I'm going to be a writer like you. And I'm like, no, not at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's okay, though. I mean, That's sometimes, okay. I get it sometimes, yeah, <laughs> oh, she's got
2: different interests than me.
1: So. As long as she's a reader, I think.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. She is a reader. Yes. Okay. She, and she's been she's been reading a series and they're big, thick. Books and she's wow. been reading like one a day. She's like, "Mom, it had oh seventy goodness. chapters, and I just finished it." So, yeah, she's.
1: Are you all like fast readers? Then I can only yeah. do like thirty pages in an hour.
2: Oh yeah, we are all. All of us are very fast readers. We we say that we are a family of not bookworms but book dragons. <laughs> Wow. I like that. I need to
1: use that.
0: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a slow reader, I think, as well. I'm with Hannah. I wanna digest it. It depends though, if the writing style when I was reading um the chapters of, of your books, it it does flow very well. It's it's easy to to get in and you're reading fast and you're going along with, with the characters and the narrative and the, the action really helps with that. So so I think that's a sign of a of a good writer if you can if you can get into it and you can read. Quickly. Yeah. That's the it's part. also
2: a sign of my awesome critique partners because they make sure that I don't have parts that lull. They're really great at keeping my plot going. And I always joke, they'll they'll say, okay, this this one's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta cut it. But um that's why we, we trust each other very much and we know that we have our best in mind. And so they're really great at keeping my pacing. Um, how
1: how do you handle the criticism? Like if if you're, you're so invested in a scene and and in characters and everything, and then they come around and say, this, this needs to be changed a little bit or
2: even just taking it out. How do you, how do you respond? Um, well, because we've been working together for so long now, Mm -hmm. we really, like I said, trust each other. And, um, know that there's a reason and a purpose for it and usually if they say something that kind of is like oh i'm not sure if i want to let go of that if i step back and look at it they're right (laughs) and there's something that needs to change um and so we just have have worked out a system that 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 really it, it is beneficial to all of us and we all write different things so we we bring in kind of our different strengths um from different different genres, and that has helped in in many ways.
1: Yeah, it makes it less boring because then you can add different things. I know um, between the royal branches you have coming out and we'll talk a bit more at the end, but you do explore love in it. I mean, you do in every book. Every book has a love scene, but how do you navigate writing romance as a Christian author? Is there, um, is there like, I don't know, maybe... A limit as, as much you can go or because I mean I know that you also write some like gruesome things as well and just or like insinuate it as well that yeah. you don't see in most places so how, how do you navigate those scenes?
2: Well I think that it's it's just a matter of of wanting to glorify the Lord and <laughs> um, making sure that I'm, I'm thinking about my reader sensibilities and um, so and I want to write romantic relationships, not for the not for the sake of writing romance. In fact, I actually Mm -hmm. really fought very hard against writing romance in the beginning. Um Mm -hmm. Cabin with the Stars was not initially a romance. Really? Um yeah, but as I kind of understood marketing and publishing and all that kind of stuff, I thought Mm -hmm. okay, maybe I need to add some in. And so I kind of fought hard against it, but I started to think of um, you know, the lord uses romantic terms all through the bible and draws mm-hmm. us in as his bride and there's there's all this beautiful imagery that he uses to help us understand that intimate relationship between us and him and so i wanted to portray romantic relationships that were glorifying to the lord even though the people were broken and they had issues and i wanted to show heroes that were self-sacrificing and um you know, so that has become, it's become a way of showing how God is interacting with the people Mm -hmm. through those Mm -hmm. romances, if that makes sense. Um, And uh, it's, it's actually become a lot more fun because I've kind of let go of that, (laughs) that wall I had. Um, And so I enjoy it now. It's, it's, um, it's a challenge, I think. And, you know, sometimes I'm writing about relationships that our, our marriage relationships. And so you have to kind of make sure you stop at a certain part, but (laughs) those things happen. (laughs) I like to be realistic about, um, people and, you know, the romantic things and the gruesome things. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. How, how have you felt your audience respond to, to those kinds of, um, stuff? Because obviously in your, in your newer books are, are based in Philistine territory as opposed to Hebrew territory and Philistines were brutal the battles were bloody the women weren't always treated with respect how have you navigated that and how have you felt your audience respond to well you know
2: I do have to water a lot of it down um if I wrote the way that things truly were it would be unreadable to our modern sensibilities (laughs) um and so I do have to kind of pick and choose the things that I write about and how I write about them. Um, But for the most part, I I think that people appreciate that and and want to understand what it was really like instead of kind of a romanticized idea of what Bible times were like. Um, It was a rough time. And especially for women, they were so vulnerable. Like we have no context for that in our modern day you know, we women, we can go outside and not have to worry about, you know, marauders coming down our street Mm -hmm. and, and taking us away and, you know, whatever. And we just like have no context for that. And, um, what, what learning the old Testament has showed me is God's laws were for women, the protection of women and children Mm -hmm. so much. And so, um, I I've tried to show that, in my books, in, in that, what a, what a dangerous world it was for women. Um, and even though sometimes it's hard to write, um, Mm -hmm. and, and hard to read, I think it's necessary for us to understand why God said and did the things that he did.
1: I think that's so true. The whole thing about romanticizing the Bible, we do it so much. And it's like, it wasn't beautiful the time and that was kind of the point of it being this like broken nation and how we did need a God and we did need the law to protect us the law was to protect is to protect it's it's not this um this thing to bind us in chains where oh we can't do something oh why not like it's so dumb kind of thing so how has now that you you've been exploring it how um has it changed how you live your life um now that you've opened up the bible um and you see and you're you're learning how god's ways there's there's a there's a reason for everything it's not just he just wrote something to keep us out of it and be like oh yeah i just don't want you like for me i i keep biblically clean we don't call it kosher because we mix meat uh milk and cheese um as as they did in the bible but um the like we don't eat pork, and and some people are like you don't eat pork, like you're missing out. And I'm like, there's a reason God said that. So I don't know. Is is there something that stood out um, to you that has changed how you live your life?
2: Well, I'm the same. I do. I eat biblically clean as well. So, um, and I've done that for a number of years. And yeah, I guess some I get some funny looks about that. But <laughs> yeah. um, I just I I learned that that God's laws are for my protection and for my good, mm-hmm. and. There's a lot of things that God tells us to do that we don't understand why, but Mm -hmm. we're still supposed to obey them because they're his laws. (laughs) And, um, you know, we, we look at the world through the lens of Jesus. Like we're, we're behind this, this kind of wall of Jesus is here. And we see Mm -hmm. the world as it is since, since Jesus came and since he changed the world, um, you know, we have a, um, Judaic Western Judaic mindset, um, but before Jesus came, the world was very different. Um, and so I think, I think if we can see the, the, see the Old Testament and the New Testament as a whole, and that, that to me is what yeah. changed the most in my mind was seeing that it is one story mm-hmm. and everything is interconnected. And there is grace on the first page of the Bible in Genesis and grace on the last page in Revelations. And, every- and show
1: is through it all as well. Yeah. Yeshua is
2: through it every single page mm-hmm. and every, every single word, even the letters have importance and meaning within, within the Bible. And so, um, it just, it deepened everything when I started to dig in further. That's,
0: that's so interesting because so often we hear that the Holy Spirit kind of entered believers lives only after only after Jesus only after Yeshua's ascension but Mm -hmm. one of the interesting things in your books the Holy Spirit is there the characters have a personal experience Mm
2: -hmm.
0: with God was I'm assuming that was something that was that was important to to
2: add into your books with including yeah I I think that I have allowed myself to think that the Holy spirit is not in a box and he doesn't fit perfectly in our man-made theologies. (laughs) And so, you know, the Holy spirit was there hovering over the waters in in the beginning. And Mm -hmm. um, there's lots and lots of talk in the old Testament and, you know, with uh, David and Saul and Samuel and all these, these people that had an obvious um interaction with the Holy Spirit in one way or the other and so um there's just a lot we don't know about the the way that the Lord works and I don't want to ever put him in a box and so I have kind of allowed that to be part of my stories and and I hope that it will help people to um maybe question a little bit what they thought they knew. That makes it's sense.
1: yeah i mean because you look at the prophets so you've got prophets and you've got people that god use and that he speaks to but it just seems that in in christianity and just in the culture it's like um they stop there where it's like okay these people had god in their hearts right. the rest were just following religion and right. it was like that's that's not what was happening and and yeah. so um to to have that personal relationship I I love like all of your scenes I mean the scene um in the out of Egypt series where it's on Mount Sinai I I, like cried I felt that so strongly and I went to my mom like crying like you have to read this and then she listened to the audiobook as well and was like yeah like this is this is really good and the way that every character that you write has this um has this awakening and also what's pretty cool is you you always your main characters for the most part um are not born Isra- israelites like they're they're foreigners like they're they're pagans they're like you know they're not part of the tribes of israel and then you bring them in and it's this whole thing as well the grafting in which we get in the new testament but we don't realize it was in the old testament as well oh,
2: there it was part of the law that god gave was that this mm-hmm. is how people become part of of israel yeah
1: exactly and you speak so openly as well about adoption um, both you you were adopted um, your brother was adopted and then you, you adopted your children so has that I guess has that influenced why you write a, these adoption stories in, oh, in all your books
2: absolutely. it's a, it's a it's a major foundational part of my my life I was adopted at birth and um, my brother is from Korea he was adopted when he was I think four and um, so it's always been a theme in, in my family. And then Mm -hmm. uh, my husband, and I knew from, from an early time that we were going to um, adopt. And so we have two children who were both adopted at birth and I've had the pleasure of getting to know their birth mothers and also my own birth mother. I found my own birth mother when I was 22 on the newfangled thing called the internet. And, (laughs) (laughs) and um, so I've had I've been able to have a relationship with her and then also my half brother and my half sister. And so, um, God has just been so gracious to me and showing me how he adopts us as -hmm. Gentiles into the family of Abraham. And so I've had the extra Um, kind of perspective of being an adoptee and an adoptive mom in that way so it just kind of I don't really plan it to be that way but it just (laughs) kind of naturally comes out of my stories although with the Covenant House series I did plan um, for uh, the two main characters um, the brother and sister to be adopted into that family so um, it's it's kind of worked its, worked its way through that series in a natural. And it
1: way. it's like you 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 take away the old you, you you enter the new and you become part of it. It becomes your identity. Like we are Israel. We're no longer like the gentiles or who we once were we we become god's people and his people are are israel like all the tribes and then all those who who enter into his covenant and i think it's so beautiful that you add that have you gotten a response from readers um because it's such an unusual um thing to add to christian books
2: The adoption thing. Yeah. Yeah. I actually recently got um, an email from a reader and she said, why are you using this when this is a modern thing, this adoption? And I said, actually, adoption is really ancient and the Babylonians have uh, adoption in their writings and the Egyptians Mm -hmm. have adoption and, you know, the Bible has all kinds of adoption all over it. And, um, sometimes it was because of, you know, not being able to have a child and they would adopt someone to be their, their heir. Um, and sometimes it, it had to do with, with different things, but it was absolutely a thing that's been around for thousands of years. So it just kind of has has woven its way into my stories that way. (laughs) That's so
0: beautiful. And, you know, even in in the bible we see this idea of different nations and different people being grafted in and different characters like i think of ruth who Mm kind of left her homeland to be grafted into this found the bible is just this big picture so to see that reflected in your kind of biblical biblical fiction it's it's i think it's great it's reflecting
2: Absolutely. I think adoption is a heartbeat of God and he, mm-hmm. he values it so much and um it's a I'm, I'm grateful to be able to see all the different sides of it
1: do you ever plan on I mean I know that you did like a was it a short novel or was it a full novel based on the the woman who touched Yeshua's garments are you um was that a full novel
2: it was actually, um, what's called like a short, a short novel. It was about like 5,000 words. So, um, yeah, I, that was really fun to be able to, um, kind of slip into, it was actually a new Testament story, which I hadn't really right. done before. Um, but I was asked by guide post-fiction to write that. And I'd actually written a, um, short story. It was only a thousand words, um, on that woman and entered it into a contest before I was ever published. And so I'd already kind of thought about who she was and who she might've, you know, how she might've interacted with Jesus and, and what it would have been like to be an unclean woman who was never able to get clean because of her bleeding, um, and to approach Jesus in that way. And so it was pretty cool that it was a, this little short story I'd written and I was able to turn it into a whole story.
1: Well, we'll have yeah. to read that. Do you do you ever plan on expanding, like in writing novels or in series based in the uh, New Testament? Or are you sticking to Old Testament for the time? Maybe,
2: but for now, Old Testament is where I'm finding the most inspiration. And yeah. I've kind of been going through the timeline. Yeah, you <laughs> are, you of, are. I kind of skipped over most of the judges. Um, and I kind of joked about that. I was kind of tired of writing war. <laughs> There's a lot of war <laughs> in is. the judges. Wow. Um, uh, I might, you know, who knows, I may go back and write more in that period of time, but um, yeah, I just, there's, there's not a whole lot in the old Testament. And so it's, it's kind of a wide open,
1: it's uncharted uh, waters, uncharted
2: waters is a great way to say it. So there's just, there's so much there and so many thousands of years that I have to kind of play with and lots of blank spaces to play with. So,
1: well, I'm excited.
2: Never say (laughs) never, but this is where I'm camping for now.
1: So let's talk
0: about uh, your new book, um, Between the Wild Branches. Um, So you began the story with the previous book To Dwell Among Cedars. However, this time, readers are gonna follow Lucio, who we've mentioned, um, lawyer's brother, after he returns to Ashdod and becomes a champion fighter. What can we expect from, from this new book?
2: Um, well, you can expect some uh, fun action scenes, <laughs> because he is a fighter. And um, this also is kind of a second chance romance. And so um, Lucio and Shoshana were childhood friends, and um, they were separated at some point. And so they haven't seen each other for 10 years. And both of them have really changed a lot in some ways. Um, and Shoshana has gone through some of those pretty rough things that we talked about earlier that, that women had to, had to deal with in those ancient times. And, um, so what was interesting was writing them as children and then thinking about how they had changed in that 10 years Mm -hmm. and, and how their experiences had, had changed them. Um, and so, it's it's a lot of fun and uh, it was really fun to dig into the philistines and what their culture might have been like we don't know a whole lot about them we really don't there's been very little um, digging in that area Um, and the digging that did happen was like 50 years ago and they're kind of still working through some of the stuff they found Um, and so we have little kind of tiny pieces about the philistines but now that we know uh, that their DNA shows that they're from Crete, we can kind of maybe think about where some of their origins were. And so I used some of the ancient Minoans and ancient Mycenaean um, uh, evidence of what, who they were and kind of wove that in. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It was a fun book to write. It was, it was the book that f- kind of flowed out of me in a way that, that my other books hadn't before so yeah
1: in, in what way like it just like all the words just came out like it didn't
2: need much effort it I really felt like it didn't need a whole lot of editing um mm-hmm. once it once it came out it was it was pretty well pretty well what what you read um and that might have been because of the way I wrote it by hand um and also because I knew the characters so well already um, but it also is just, it's just a fun, it's a fun book. There's just a lot of, I can't give any spoilers, but there's just a yeah, lot. Of course happened.
1: not. But <laughs> this is also, this is the first book where the majority of it takes place outside of Israelite territory. Okay. And it, you're, you're focusing on the Philistines. Was it, what was it like to explore all that? I know you said that there's not a lot that you know, but I mean, to pick up on it from differing from the Israelites, because you've got the Israelites who were these, children of God who are following the Torah and then you've got these pagan ungodly gods uh wow. people that they they follow ungodly uh what am I saying <laughs> they the follow right other list. gods there you go. <laughs> and and just how the the difference of it and wow. was it like what was it like to explore that and also was it difficult to write because I'm reading some of the scenes I'm not going to give anything away but there is, I will say, like a funeral scene and a dog scene that I'm just like, oh, my goodness,
2: I'm going to cry my eyes out and I might just have to take a break for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it was it's just kind of like like I was talking about before, like people that don't have the Bible and don't have Jesus and don't have that context. What were they like? They, they had yeah. no they had none of God's good laws. Mm-hmm. And so they made up their own. And um, so it's just kind of a process of thinking, what would, what would, how would they react to this, not knowing God, God, and and the goodness of God, and trusting in false gods instead. So um, the nice thing is, be, when there are places where I don't have a lot of information, I have a lot of blank space, and I can, I can use clues and yeah. and build them. And there was, you know, there was human sacrifice. And mm-hmm. um, there is evidence of that in the Mycenaean and the Minoan cultures. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that is something that does get talked about. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, for some reason, they had these strange um, threshold uh, um, sacrifices where they would use puppies and it was horrible. <laughs> A sacrifice puppy I, I don't imagine. know why um but it was sad and it was hard to mm-hmm. write about and I actually had one scene in uh, to dwell among cedars that I had yeah. to kind of changed because it was it was a little upsetting to one of my editors
1: <laughs> oh really? no it was even what you left in was upset yeah. I was like oh my goodness, it was but- sorry <laughs> I mean, we, we do see that in the Bible, though, how when the Israelites moved away from God and started following other gods, there's I mean, you can go to Israel, tell Dan, there's a yeah. whole place every time my mom, my mom will not go anymore. The first time she went, she was like, feeling physically sick, because it was yeah. where the children's sacrifices would happen. Yeah. And you can still feel that darkness there. I and so the same
2: thing when I did there. you?
1: Yeah. I know that's like that's like the hard place to go and and everyone goes on the the tours to like show you and i'm just like why like the, the rest of it is is okay but it's just that one spot even i mean you can go all over israel and find those spots because um of how these different cultures then infiltrated israel and we see it today with how um how christians navigate and how they'll like say oh we're christians here but then they go and follow like these Um, these other gods in the world um, and how, and how it responds to it. So how, how do you want your books to inspire people to cling closer to
2: God? Gosh, I just want them to dig deeper, Mm -hmm. to not just read the the stories and go, oh, that was a great story. And, you know, you know, but to dig deeper and to understand, like I said before, that everything is interconnected and that mm-hmm. Jesus is there throughout the whole Old Testament, and it just, it adds a whole new dimension to your faith when you start to dig deeper into the context of what, what was happening during these times, mm-hmm. and um, not seeing Israel as this monolith, like all of, is in it, in, and that's kind of hard because a lot of times it'll say all Israel did this, and all Israel did that, and that was kind of a hebraic term it didn't really mean all israel and so um i i have fun kind of digging deeper into that and showing some of the you know not everybody believed that and not everybody Mm -hmm. believed that samuel was a prophet and there was obviously a lot of um um problems between the tribes and everything and so just kind of digging deeper and and um being hungry for the word and being hungry Mm -hmm. for understanding um who the people were in the Bible, I think will help give a greater dimension to who God is and knowing his character. Amen. Amen, yeah. I'm curious as to, um,
0: especially with Between the World Branches, you're picking up um, with Lucio and Shoshana and after 10 years, um, when you're writing particular series and you you finish one book and you know that the next book is gonna have these characters in somehow or after after a few years is it is it is it is it difficult to to, to drop the story and know you're picking it up picking it up later and you're leaving time gaps or or is it you know when you finish a book where you're gonna at what point you're gonna pick up the next one
2: um usually if it's a series i pretty well know where i'm going to end up and so um i imagine all those times you know i I've, I've got it all planned out in my head what exactly happened um, so to me the story kept going <laughs> um but yeah i i usually will have it pretty well planned out what's going to happen and so but it is hard at the end of a series to let go of those people and cuz they they become my friends. They're I was they're my imaginary friends. And um to let go of them and um to um, switch off my um my imagination when it comes to that and to move on. So that's why I've done kind of a lot of spin-off series and and actually the next series that I'm working on now is a spin-off of of the Covenant House. And so I'm taking four characters from Between the Wild Branches, so keep your eye out for four characters um, that are together. Um, and so I'm, I'm building a new spin-off and it's gonna be a four book series and I'm so excited about it. And it has to do with King Saul and um, yeah, it's, it's fun to to dig into a new era.
1: I'm wow. so intrigued now, I wanna know who it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have to keep you your, keep <laughs> no, i'm like okay
1: i'm like i'm like going through what i've read because i read half the book so far and i'm just like yeah okay which one for
2: four characters that are together and they're you're, together okay, you, you'll figure it out you will
1: okay you okay won't. i'll keep reading <laughs> and look oh when can we when can we hope for this series to come out? i know that we're all anticipating this it book. won't be
2: until next fall so
1: okay I'm just, I got a while to wait.
2: (laughs) I'm still working on just the first part of it. So,
1: Mm -hmm. well, we all go ahead.
2: Do you take um, like longer breaks between when you
0: finish a series? So, if you're writing one series and you're writing the first book, second book, do you take maybe shorter breaks and then take longer breaks when you finish a series? Cause you know, you have this, you've got to like let it go properly. Or do you, what's your? Well,
2: I always say that I'm going to take big breaks and then it never happens that (laughs) (laughs) way. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, either because of procrastination or because my life changes or whatever. So I would, I, I have taken, you know, like two to three weeks in between when I'm writing maybe up to a month um I would like to take longer but it just hasn't happened so far
1: (laughs) even with all your moving every time you seem to do like a book launch you're always moving I'm like how because we're about to move I mean we just moved my grandparents I haven't even touched my book in like two weeks because I'm too busy moving them and then we're about to move I'm like I cannot imagine like working on the final edits of a book while you're packing up a
2: house yeah, and that happened both times. Like with To Dwell Among Cedars, it was mm-hmm. due like a week before we moved from North Carolina to Texas. And then um, to dwell among or uh, between the wild branches, I was moving into a new house. Now we weren't moving very far away. We only moved two miles, but mm-hmm. we were moving into a brand new house. And so there was just a lot going on. And that was due at the same time. So it oh just, yeah, I don't know. God's showing me that I can have to lean on Him. That's what it is. <laughs> doing time management at its best for sure yeah I don't know he just gets me through it somehow Mm,
1: and and now you just came out uh yesterday I think or the day before um the Christie nominations came out and it was actually the carols carols. yeah and they and uh like uh like flames in the night has been nominated so congratulations that is so exciting
2: yeah Yeah. those are really a fun call to get
1: I bet. I bet. I think it's like getting um, for like musicians, getting the Grammys or actors getting the Oscars. It's like this top thing where it's just like your, your book's been nominated. I mean, that's like what every artist wants is to have their work recognized. So congratulations. Thank you.
2: And it was extra great because I was having a really bad day, like a mm. really bad day. And, and God just like said, I'm here. I love you. And uh, that was wonderful.
1: So, Don't you love it when he does that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, do we want to open this time up? I know we've kind of gone over an hour, but do we want to open it up for QA? Um, but I Q- know Soleil has a question. Okay, um, so- yeah, so Soleil, are you there?
2: Hello. Hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so I just had a couple of questions. Um, one of them was just like with writing and like homeschooling your kids and stuff, kind of like how you balance working with not only writing a book, but also like meeting your deadlines on time. Um, just cause like, I imagine that's a lot you have to do. Um, and then the other question I had was um, with you being to Israel, I was just kind of curious how that experience um, of just like being there and seeing the land, like how it affected your writing after you went.
2: Yes, and I went with your grandma, right? Yes, you did. Your grandmother. <laughs> yeah, I was actually roommates with her grandmother a couple of times, yeah. Um, well, back to the balancing. Um, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I take it day by day. And there are days when I do a great job of managing my time and we get everything done and accomplished. And there are days when it's just, it doesn't happen. <laughs> and there are days when we have to either push off homeschooling or that we have to, I have to push off writing and you know, I just kind of have to work through that. I've always been a um, horrible procrastinator my entire life. My mom always says, I have no idea how you've written 12 books, like, <laughs> like knowing who you were as a kid and and how I would like wait until the last minute to write papers. Um, and so I think it just, I'm, I'm a flexible person because of that. And so um, I don't know, we've just, it's, because I've always been writing while my kids were homeschooling, it's just kind of has gone hand in hand and we've just kind of made a rhythm for our day. Um, and so we don't know any different, I guess I would say, you know, my kids have never been in public school, so We've never had that kind of um, rigid structure to our schedule. So like we go sometimes into the summer, sometimes we start late, you know, and we take vacations during the year. And so, um, I don't know, we just kind of get it done. Um, and then Israel. Yeah. Gosh, going to Israel was amazing. And I cannot wait to go back. Um, I'm going to have to get together with Hannah Rose. I know you're welcome to come over. (laughs) No, I need to come see you. Um, you know, just being able to stand there in those places and, Um, not only picture the things that happen in the Bible but my characters is really fun like I remember standing at Megiddo and thinking this is where Mariah was and (laughs) since there are real people in my head Um, so yeah that is really it's really uh, revolutionized the way that I think and and picture my scenes Um, so I hope I can go back very soon for sure
1: well if nobody else has any questions um. then I think we're going to close up. Thank you so much, Conalyn, for coming on tonight and sharing for those interested in um, pre-ordering your new book that comes out. I want to say August 8th or is it 7th? Oh, it's actually July 6th. July 6th. Oh my gosh. What? Yeah. What's the month? <laughs> July 6th. There we go. July 6th, um, which is just two weeks from now. If you want to um, pre-order it, the just the um, link is in the description on the Facebook. And then for all those listening on the podcast later on, it's going to be in the description on this podcast. So be sure to pre-order it, or if it's already out when you're listening to this, order it because it is definitely a book that you won't want to miss.
2: And can I put in a plug for Baker Bookhouse because they Absolutely. have it on sale right now for pre-order on 40% off and free shipping so um, that is just the best deal out there right now mm-hmm. and if you pre-order I am sending out the a bonus gift of eight free chapters um, so you will get to kind of know Lucio and Shoshana as children with these free chapters and you don't have to read them to understand the story it's just kind of a, a bonus it's an extra to it's give a fun it. extra D- dimension wow. to their relationship so i actually started to write like three or four chapters and they just grew and i had too much <laughs> fun and i kept going so now it's eight, eight uh, chapters. <laughs> better. you can go to my website connie and, and get that pre-order
0: definitely pre-ord- be pre-ordering that
2: yes. well <laughs>
0: for all our listeners today if you want to stay up to date with our upcoming episodes you can follow us on facebook on instagram youtube and other streaming platforms such as spotify at uncancelled faith podcast thank you so much conalyn for joining us thank
2: you thank you for the invitation i've had so much fun
0: we have to all the success with your upcoming book and your new series that you're
2: writing Mm -hmm. thank you thank you
0: all right and thanks for all of our listeners (laughs) For coming
1: on. (laughs) Yeah, and we hope you all have an excellent rest of your day.
2: (laughs) We'll see you later. Bye.